You're listening to Radio Look Lucid. I'm your host, Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me for episode 31. Today, we're going to be talking about the LA Times and their whiny op-ed about the Trump administration's crackdown on birth tourism. This is an episode, or excuse me, this was a an op-ed that was written on February 6, 2020. It appeared in the Los Angeles Times, and the title of it is, A Birth Tourist Crackdown is Turning U.S. Government Agents into the Pregnancy Patrol. Now, the <laughs> the title of it uh, sort of gives away the uh, the direction this particular op-ed is going to go. Now, the op-ed itself was written by a gentleman named Christopher Richardson. And I'll just read you the first paragraph here to start things. As a consular officer, I issued hundreds of tourist visas to pregnant women traveling to the United States, whose primary purpose was so-called birth tourism, gaining U.S. citizenship for their child by having their baby here. It was a frustrating experience for me because I mainly saw wealthy and elite foreign nationals secure U.S. citizenship for their newborn this way. And I couldn't help but think of the millions already here who had to wait years to become citizens. So Mr. Richardson starts out fairly promising. I mean, he he identifies uh, himself as a consular officer. So he's someone who has had firsthand experience in uh, issuing uh, tourist visas to to uh, to people, and he you know he recounts the fact that he issued some of these these tourist visas to pregnant women who are coming to the United States, uh, whose primary purpose was the so called birth tourism, and he had a problem with that. And, you know he points out the fact well he saw that that they were mainly wealthy and elite foreign nationals, and essentially what they were doing is they were doing an end around U.S. immigration law, and. Uh, Getting going to the head of the line by having a child in the United States. But Richardson continues, But I made an uneasy peace with the practice, fearing what alternatives might arise if the U.S. ever actively sought to prohibit it. Since the administration put in place new rules in late January that make it harder for pregnant foreign nationals to enter the U.S. on tourist visas, we are about to see what those alternatives are. I fear they will not be pretty. So <laughs> so he starts off promising, but then in his, his second paragraph here, he already starts really revealing what his real position is. He seems to think that doing something to actually prevent this abuse of the system, and essentially he admits in the first paragraph that it is an abuse of the system, he thinks that anything that's going to be done is actually going to make things worse. Well, you know, I would ask this question, worse for whom? You know, is it going to be worse for the American people who aren't going to have their their immigration laws flouted, or is it going to be worse for the the uh, the foreigners who are trying to come to the United States to essentially take advantage of of our immigration laws, of our of our birthright citizenship citizenship laws, in particular? So, so he's troubled by this. He's, he's troubled by the idea that, that someone might actually interrupt what he's already identified as a, uh, as a source of abuse, uh, often by, uh, by wealthy and elite foreign nationals. So I guess apparently he really doesn't mind that all that much. Christopher Richardson continues, For President Trump and his supporters, this is a promise kept in his battle against Birthright citizenship, the granting of citizenship to children born in the United States despite the parent's nationality or immigration status. If you're born here, you're an American. The right is enshrined in the U.S. Constitution. Okay, so we need to take a, a big time out right here. Now, Christopher Richardson is, when he talks about 
when he makes this very categorical statement, if you're born here, you're in America, the right is enshrined in the U.S. Constitution, what he's referring to is the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. That 14th Amendment was put in place to make sure that freed slaves uh, would become uh, be considered citizens of the United States. That's why that amendment was passed. That was the whole purpose behind that. It was passed back in the 1860s, shortly after the end of the Civil War. And if you actually read through the arguments, and, and there have been some people who've done a uh, very good analysis of the, uh, uh, the arguments over the 14th Amendment, I think it becomes very clear that it was never the intention of the, the framers of the 14th Amendment to make, to grant birthright citizenship to just anybody who was born on American soil. And even to this day, that's not the case. For instance, children of diplomats. So say, suppose uh, a diplomat from uh, a foreign country, I don't know, say Germany. Uh, suppose the the ambassador or maybe somebody on the ambassador staff from Germany is in the United States and maybe uh, maybe his wife gives birth on American soil. Well, that, that child is not considered an American citizen simply because that child was born on American soil. The 14th Amendment doesn't apply to that child. But the vast majority of children, of babies who are born on U.S. soil, they are, uh, U.S. citizenship is conferred upon them, regardless of the, the nationality or the, the citizenship status of the parents. So, I mean, even the Constitution to which Christopher Richard appeals doesn't make this a blanket rule for everyone. There are exceptions to that. And I would, would argue that the, <laughs> the exceptions to the rule are far greater than what Christopher Richardson seems to want you to believe. Um, he seems to have this idea, if you're born here, you're an American. Well, that's what some people say. But again, if you go back and you look at the arguments for the 14th Amendment, I don't believe that that's the case. And there are a lot of people who don't believe that that's the case. But I'm not going to get into an extended argument about the Constitution and the 14th Amendment right here. But I did want to make that point. It's not as cut and dried as what Christopher Richardson wants you to think. So Mr. Richardson continues, However, the consular officer corps, which is predominantly white, has now been given more discretion to decide who can enter the U.S., they will have to rely more heavily on their own judgment in denying visas to a largely brown and black global populace. Cultural bias will become more of a factor than it already is. In addition to the new rules allow consular officers to use visual cues to determine whether an applicant is trying to hide a pregnancy, essentially giving officers the license to body shame. Okay, so this is, this is a <laughs> kind of an amazing paragraph. I mean, you, you want to talk about, uh, you know, the, these are, these are the, uh, I guess what's the popular word now? Trope, I guess, is, is what they like to use. These are some of the, the, the popular tropes among uh, identity politics, uh, people who advocate identity politics, you know, the social justice warriors, the cultural Marxist, uh, etc. Um, they love to talk in these, ter in these kinds of terms. So what he's, he, he makes, he, he talks about the consular officer corps, which is predominantly white. Well, I mean, right there, <laughs> you know, he, he's, He's trying to turn this into to a racial thing. So you have a predominantly white officer corps denying visas to largely brown and black global populace. So, so of course we know anything that's predominantly white is evil. Everybody, all right thinking, just all right thinking, good people know this. Anything's predominantly white, it's inherently evil because white people are inherently evil. 
At least that's the, the the way it's always presented in the popular press. Yeah, it's it's amazing how many stories you see out there about um, <clears throat> comments by various liberals, and these can be by by white people who who make these kinds of statements. And I don't know Christopher Richardson. Maybe he's white. Probably is a good chance that he is. I, I don't know for sure, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's white. But there are a lot of of white people who like to to make these types of arguments to to virtue signal to show what what righteous, good thinking people they really truly are. Um, so he's going to put down the 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 consular officer corps, and essentially what he does, he accuses them of being a bunch of racists, or at least allows for that possibility. He wants to plant that seed in people's minds because you have predominantly white people and probably white men, which is even worse. God forbid. Um, you have this predominantly white consular officer corps uh, sitting in judgment and denying visas to largely brown and black global populace. Well. The the whole idea here, the, this this law says nothing about race. Now, the fact of the matter is that there are a number of countries that are, are notorious for abusing the birthright citizenship. Understanding, <laughs> well, we'll say that the, the birthright citizenship, the, the current practice of birthright citizenship in the United States, there are a number of uh, countries whose citizens regularly abuse this. Now, uh, China is one of them. Uh, South Korea is one of them. Nigeria is one of them. And I would also point out Russia is one of them. There are a lot of Russian mothers that come to the United States to give birth uh, to American children. So it's it's not really, you know, he, he's trying to make this sound like it's some kind of a, a a racist thing. The law says nothing about race. You know, and for him to try to turn it into that, I think, is incredibly disingenuous. But he's not satisfied with just uh, <clears throat> trying to play the race card here. He also talks about um, the uh, the consular officers having the, the, the ability to use visual cues to determine whether an applicant is trying to hide a pregnancy, essentially giving officers a license to body shame. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, now, now, this is another thing, and it's kind of a, a feminist thing. And And you hear about this. Uh, quite a bit about body shaming, you know, and, and body shame is simply the idea that somehow it's a bad thing to point out that a fat person is fat and that being a fat person probably isn't the healthiest lifestyle choice. In fact, there was a, uh, a, uh, <laughs> there's this uh, popular singer out there. I had never heard of her until fairly recently. Her, her name is Lizzo. I don't know. She weighs something in the order of like, I think 300, maybe 400 pounds. I mean, she's this, this gigantic person and, and she's being celebrated because of her body. And, and that's what we're being told uh, to do. And, and there's a, a fitness, a personal trainer, uh, Jillian Michaels. Uh, she's pretty well known. Uh, she's the host of a show uh, called the biggest loser. And of course, the whole premise of the biggest loser is you, you, you know, some of these people who have struggled for years with obesity and they come on the program and through diet and exercise, you know, the goal is to, to get down to a healthy weight. And, and the, the program is designed, you know, to, to help people to, to get over some of the, uh, some of the health problems. And, and some of these people are, well, in fact, pretty much everybody on that show is morbidly obese, you know, obese to the point where it threatens their life. And Jillian Michaels pointed out that we shouldn't be celebrating Lizzo because of her body. Because Jillian Michaels, as she pointed out, you know, she has, this Lizzo has, uh, is, is so heavy that she's in danger of getting all kinds of weight related diseases, things such as, um, oh, uh, 
diabetes, for example. And, and anyway, when Jillian Michaels made these comments, and it was on some show that, that she was being interviewed on, oh, I mean, the social media just exploded. How dare Jillian Michaels say anything about Lizzo and talking about her body? It's body shaming, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, the uh, <laughs> all the trolls and all the haters came out and got all over Jillian Michaels. And, and to her credit, as far as I am aware, I, I don't believe Jillian Michaels backed down. So I'm glad that she stood her ground in what she said. You know, and she made the point, she says, you know, it's fine to celebrate Lizzo for her music, but we shouldn't be celebrating her for her body, which is morbidly obese. And it's okay to say that, but I mean, there are people out there that want to say, that's body shaming, you can't do that, blah, 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 blah. Um, so so this guy, yeah, I have to admit, the, the ability of some of these uh, identity politics folks, some of these... Uh, the, these people to to work cultural Marxism to to work feminism into their arguments just never ceases to amaze me. Um, yeah, I, as someone who's who's followed the 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 immigration issue closely for a number of years and and is familiar with some of the arguments, I have to admit, you know, it's 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 very typical to to hear people like Christopher Richardson drop these sort of vague hints. And sometimes they're not vague hints. Sometimes they just come out and say it directly. You know, if, if you want to do anything to change American immigration law to, to try to uh, restrict it in any way, that you're, you're, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're, you're a very bad person, essentially is what they say. You're a very, very bad person. I'm used to hearing arguments like that, but I have to admit that I, I never thought that I would hear someone come out and, and uh, complain about uh, possible body shaming. Um, I, I did not expect that. So I have to admit, you know, Christopher Richardson has, has um, presented something that I've never seen before. That's a new argument. So, so that's a, an, inter an interesting thing that he said. Uh, I think it's complete nonsense. I mean, if somebody's sitting there in front of you and is obviously pregnant, um, you're not supposed to ask about that. That's not body shaming. I mean, it's simply asking questions. It's called due diligence. I think that, that that's what the lawyers would call that sort of thing. So no, and yeah, that's that's just absurd. Anyway, uh, Richardson continues here. Pregnancy tests will not be administered, and officers cannot ask for them. The State Department announced, but how long will it take before applicants feel compelled to bring negative pregnancy test results to consular offices and for officers to accept them? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. You know, maybe it, uh, maybe it won't take long at all. Maybe that's not a bad thing. I mean, if somebody can provide proof of their good intentions for coming to the United States, I don't think that that's a bad thing. But apparently Richardson does. Richardson continues, The officers will be forced to spend more time serving as the pregnancy patrol instead of focusing on more important matters such as security background checks and facilitating legitimate travel. Well, I mean, wait just a minute here. I mean, Richardson seems to be suggesting that, that somehow if uh, if officers actually have to spend time determining whether a woman is pregnant, that somehow that that's not uh, a matter of security or not a matter of facilitating legitimate travel. I mean, it's not legitimate to come to the United States simply for the purpose of giving birth so you can have a an American citizen child. That is not a legitimate reason to come here. That's one of the things that this rule says. And in fact, it's, it's really, my understanding is that it, it's always been a shady practice. And it's something that's been discouraged always or for a very long time by U.S. consular offices, officers. However, the, the Trump administration ruling has kind of put this into more concrete language. Um, 
but no, it's not legitimate to travel to the United States for simply for the purpose of giving birth. And I say that never has been. And you know, expecting officers to actually do their job? Oh my goodness, that's the end of the world. We can't have that. Continues Richardson. As they worked on the visa line with other consular officers in the 2010s, applicants seeking to give birth were evaluated in the same way as those who wanted to enter the U.S. to seek medical treatment. State Department regulations state that foreign nationals seeking to enter the U.S. for medical reasons must demonstrate they have the means to pay for treatment, do not pose a security risk, and have ties to their home country that would compel their return. Pregnant foreign nationals often carried documentation showing the hospital payments for child delivery had been arranged and displayed letters from American doctors and hospital administrators detailing the plan of birth along with any prenatal or postnatal visits. Okay, so, you know, again, the the whole birth tourism thing has never really been on the up and up, although the uh, Mr. Richardson seems to want to portray it as such here. In, in this particular paragraph. Well, Richardson continues, When I was processing visa applicants, most every pregnant foreigner I spoke with was from a wealthy family. They would invariably say that they had no intention of residing in the United States with a newborn American child. Well, the reason that they said that was because what they were doing, they knew was, was not legitimate. And they knew if they came out and said that, there's a good chance they might have been denied, uh, denied a visa. For this class of individuals, a newborn child would probably serve as insurance should their respective home countries fall apart, and as an investment in making it easier to immigrate to the U.S., should it become necessary. For others, having an American child and that blue U.S. passport was cultural currency, the ultimate status symbol back home. Okay, well, that proves right there that American citizenship is considered a pretty valuable thing. So should we just be giving away American citizenship willy-nilly? I mean, if American citizenship really is valuable, shouldn't, you know, maybe there be some controls on who gets it? You know, <laughs> um, you know it, it's kind of amazing that on the one hand, Richardson seems to say that that uh, you know, the U.S. passport, that blue U.S. passport, I have a blue U.S. passport, you know, I'm an American citizen, American citizen, so yes, I have a blue U.S. passport, because I'm actually an American citizen. I'm a legitimate American citizen. Both my parents were American citizens, both of their parents were Amer- American citizens, and on and on and on back. I mean, my, my family's been here, I don't know, over 300 years, at least on my dad's side, in the United States, actually, before there was a United States. Um, you know, I'm a legitimate U.S. citizen. I have a vested interest in this country. It's my home. It's where my family's from uh, many generations back. Yeah, and and that's you know, you know, American citizenship is considered a valuable thing, and if it's considered a valuable thing, why are we just giving it away again, willy nilly? You know, you might think that uh, Christopher Richardson might answer that question, but he doesn't really address that issue. So Richardson continues here. While I may have disdained the practice practice that is birthright citizenship for people who were coming here, you know, elites maybe they were coming here as as he puts it from foreign countries. While I may have disdained the practice. Officers are required to evaluate applicants by engaging in frank conversations about their intentions. It's far better for applicants to honestly talk about their intentions to give birth and use reputable doctors and hospitals than rely on the criminal gangs and shady consultants that have come to dominate the birth tourism field. Okay, so I'm not exactly sure what Richardson's trying to say here. Yeah, His argument here almost sounds a bit like what you hear from uh, some people who who advocate 
uh, for for abortion laws. You know, and they say that you know abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. I think what was it? Wasn't that Bill Clinton that said that? Yeah, but those people who who think that uh, they call themselves pro-choice, I guess, is the the term that that they use for themselves, and they believe that abortion should be legal in all fifty states. And uh, some of them believe it should be legal right up until the time uh, a woman gives birth. In fact, some people, if you're you're Ralph Northam, uh, governor of Virginia, maybe you even think that abortion should be be allowed after birth. Uh, but that's uh, again, that's that's kind of getting. Don't want to go too far down that that rabbit trail here, at least on on this podcast. But you know, some of the people who argue in favor of abortion say, "Well, we need to have uh, abortion legal because if, if we don't have if if abortion is made illegal, why women are still going to have abortions? But they just go to back alleys and use coat hangers and you know all sorts of horrible things. And somehow, you know, what that's supposed to do is if if you if you're pro life, that's supposed to make you just cringe and say, "Oh no, I wouldn't want women to have to go into back alleys and have abortions there. Oh please, oh please, you know, I, I give up." <laughs> I cry uncle, something like that. Well, you, you know, here's here's the thing. You know, if if somebody is coming to the U- United States and is lying about the reason that that, uh, that he or she is coming here, then I think that that's a problem. You know, and if a woman's coming to the United States and she lies about uh, her intentions to come here, and instead of going to doctors and hospitals, she relies on criminal gangs and shady consultants. Well, that's her own fault. You know, I mean that that's not a reason not to have um, honest and frank conversations. You know, if somebody's lying, then well, you know, whatever happens, that's kind of on them. You know, that that's not a problem with the law. That's a problem with the person. So Richardson continues, the new restrictions on tourist visas for pregnant women women will only bring these illicit businesses more customers. So, okay, so if we pass a law, you know, by, by this, this uh, rule change, making it more difficult for uh, people just to come here and, and uh, have children uh, for the purposes of birth tourism, that new rule, it's, that, that's driving people into illicit practices. Again, this is ridiculous. You know, okay, so you know, by that same token, we could say, I guess we should get, should get rid of all um, uh, all laws uh, prohibiting murder. Because why, if we have laws prohibiting murder, that just means that people will go about it in an underhanded fashion instead of just killing people because, you know, uh, killing people out in the open. You know, if we just get rid of all the laws against murder, while well, you know, we can go around and shoot one another and not suffer any consequences and not have to be afraid. It's the murder laws that are the problem. You know, it's not the people who are committing the crimes, it's the laws against murder and the laws against theft. You know, I mean, if, if we just get rid of all the laws against bank, rob- bank robbery, why people would just come in and grab cash out of a bank, it'd be almost like going to an ATM machine. Thank you very much, sir. How many thousand would you like today? Yes, the problem is the laws against bank robbery. So if we just get rid of those laws against bank robbery, then we, we don't have to worry about that anymore. It won't be a crime. Just give the cash away. Hey, no problem. I mean, this is absurd. He continues, the birth tourism industry also thrives on coaching applicants to lie about their pregnancy and produce fake documents. Okay, so what he's talking about here, I mean, this birth tourism industry has been in place all along. You know, and again, so, I mean, the Trump administration has simply just made it more difficult for people to, to get through uh, the consular visa process. But, I mean... Birth tourism has never been legitimate, and if it were legitimate, then you wouldn't have all of these, um, you know, as as Richardson likes to say, uh, illicit 
sorts of businesses out there in the first place. They wouldn't have been needed. The fact of the matter is birth tourism has always been um, something that uh, the consular offices have sought to prevent. Now they just have some more tools for doing so. And he continues, lying can cause a person to be permanently barred from entering the U.S. and officers rely on honest interactions to make valid, solid decisions. Okay, so if somebody, again, comes here and lies, if a woman comes here and lies about her reason for coming to the United States and she gets permanently barred from entering the United States if she gets busted, that's not the problem with the law. The problem is with the person who's doing the line. You know, what, <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm just astounded at the logic that, that this guy uses. I mean, this is the kind of person we have working in our consular offices. I mean, I hope this isn't typical uh, of the sort of, of the person, the kind of people that we have working at our, uh, at U.S. consular offices around the world, because if it is, we got major problems. I mean, you know, this guy has, has serious problems. Apparently, he doesn't like enforcing American law. I mean, among other things. And, and he comes up with some very twisted rationalizations for, for not wanting to do so. And he, he, just, he just continues in this vein. Here's the next paragraph. Instead of cracking down on consular offices, the U.S. should crack down on the birth tourism industry. Well, wait just a moment. You know, the, the Trump administration is not cracking down on consular officers. The Trump administration is simply asking consular officers to do their job. And giving them some tools, some additional tools to do so. Not cracking down on consular officers. The crackdown is on the people who are violating American law. You know, I mean, I just, you know, the, the logic, the, the, the absurd statements in this, in this uh, op-ed just come, come fast and furious. So he goes on here. A big part of the problem should be addressed by identifying hospitals and other medical facilities that profit from foreign national birth business and impose prohibitive fines on them if they continue to engage in the practice. These facilities often work hand-in-glove with birth tourism consultants, so this would help suppress that element as well. Well, okay, you know, I... Maybe what he says here, maybe this might actually be a fairly reasonable statement. Yes, I mean, I think that if you have hospitals and medical facilities who are working hand-in-glove with birth tourism consultants, should those hospitals and medical facilities uh, suffer some kind of a, a punishment? Well, yeah, I, I think that they should because they're engaged in helping subvert American law. So, yes, I think there should be some. And, and, maybe, that there, and maybe there is. I don't know. Now, what's interesting is, is he's, he, he implies, and I think he implies correctly, he talks about these hospitals and medical facilities that work hand-in-glove with birth tourism consultants, uh, and, and by going after the hospitals and medical facilities, it would also uh, tend to suppress the birth tourism consultants too. Yeah, I think that that's a true statement. I, I would agree with that. So, I mean, I, I think that, that that's not an unreasonable thing that he says. What I think is interesting, though, is he doesn't ever talk about the fact that the U.S. government has gone uh, pretty aggressively after some of the birth tourism consultants. In fact, there was a big bust about a year and a half back or so. There was a, uh, she was a Chinese national. Her last name was, was Lee, L-I. And she was running a pretty substantial ring. And she ended up having to forfeit a um, a very expensive house and several uh, luxury vehicles. And she was fined a substantial amount of money. And I, I believe she was also put in jail as well for running this, this, this ring. And if you look at the, the Trump administration's rule that they, they gave, giving some additional uh, definitions to birth tourism and giving the, 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 the rule that this Christopher Richardson's complaining about, if you read through it, you're actually find that the, um, 
the people who wrote the the rule cited that case with that that Lee case quite a bit in there uh, as as the basis for uh, for the reason for creating the new rule. So there is uh, legal enforcement that does go on, and there are uh, birth tourism consultants who do get busted. That was just one example of it. So Richardson continues here, but if Trump's true goal is to tighten the restrictions on birthright citizenship and appease his supporters, he should seek a constitutional amendment, like Ireland did in 2004, even if it is a notoriously difficult process. Well, that is is the opinion of some scholars. I mean, if you think that the the 14th Amendment really does give birthright citizenship to everybody who is born here, then, then yeah, you, you would need to have a, a constitutional amendment. But as I said earlier, there are, are classes of persons who are not covered by the 14th Amendment. So really the, the question becomes, and there are many people um, who whose judgment I trust, I know Ron Paul has talked about this, for example, that you know, that, that say, you know, it's a question of, of application. And the fact that the children uh, of diplomats who are born on U.S. soil are not considered U.S. citizenship, considered U.S. citizens, I think really undermines the argument that, that Richard seems to be putting forth that the 14th Amendment applies to, you know, that, you know, absolutely applies to the, the children of, uh, of parents who come here as, uh, for birth tourism. I, I don't think that it does. I think that you could, car- I, I think that, I think that there's the, the language of the 14th Amendment suggests that it does, in fact, does not apply to them. But again, that's kind of getting into a legal argument. It's not my point here to do so. But, but I think Richardson, I think one of the reasons why he's, he's banging the table so hard about a constitutional amendment is because he knows it's extraordinarily difficult to do that. And he probably doesn't really think he's making much of a concession. He probably thinks in his own mind that that's impossible to do. Anyway, Richardson goes on. He makes an interesting point here. He says, Ireland eliminated the automatic right to citizenship for anyone born there, and in most cases requires foreign national parents to prove a genuine link to Ireland based on residency before a child born there can be considered a citizen. Well, yeah, I think that that's entirely sensible. There should be a genuine link to the country. I mean, a lot of times, you know, what's what's happening? Let's say, give an example. Um say some wealthy parents from China come to the United States for the purpose of giving birth here. Uh, they have a child here on U.S. soil, get on an airplane maybe a few days later, fly back to China. Now, it's entirely possible that that child and those, those parents never come to the United States again for decades. Now, that child doesn't have any ties, any genuine link to the United States other than the fact that maybe he was born in a hospital in L.A. somewhere. I mean, that, that's not a genuine link to the United States. There's no constructive interest in the United States. I think that's the, uh, the rule, the, uh, the term that's used in the, uh, in the, the, the uh, revised Trump uh, or the, uh, the new rule that was uh, put forth by the Trump administration. They don't have any genuine interest in the United States. The people who came here simply, essentially, to take advantage of a loophole in American law. You know, and, and that child is... is no more an American citizenship than citizen than, than if he had been born in Beijing. So Richardson continues here, and he says, instead of coming up with an actual solution to birth tourism, Trump has chosen to use government agents to circumvent the law and satisfy his base. Now that's quite a, a way to to wrap up his uh, his argument here. 
instead of coming up with an actual solution to birth tourism, well, I mean, the, the Trump, you know, the ruling by the Trump administration, this new rule, it doesn't solve every problem in with birth tourism. But it, it's actually a fairly tightly targeted rule. And I think it's actually a smart way to go about things. You know, instead of trying to uh, to solve everything all at once, what what's been done here is a rule that's been passed that that solves part of the problem. Now, I would like to see a lot more done on this front, and, and hopefully by passing this rule that uh, that makes it harder for for women to come to the United States to for solely for the purpose of giving birth. I'd like to see more done, but this is a good start. And it will prevent some people from doing this. You know, they've raised the bar. They've, they, they've, uh, they, they've, they've added barriers to, uh, to prevent people from, uh, from engaging in birth tourism. And I'm sure that people will still do it. But I'd say there's probably a pretty good chance that you have fewer. So I think it is an actual solution. So I, I do not agree with Richardson, who seems to think that that somehow it's this this bogus nonsense. Said it's not, um, and he goes on to say Trump's chosen to use government agents to circumvent the law. No, he has not. That is a flat out lie. Um, you know, again, Christopher Richardson likes to put light for darkness and darkness for light. He's not using you as government agents to circumvent the law. They have this ruling. They have this rule. Um, and they're ordered, you know, the consular agents are ordered to abide by it. It's a legitimate rule. It's not a circumvision of the law. It's a legitimate lawful rule that's been set forth by the state department. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, in fact, it's, it's absurd for Richardson to even try to argue that way. And then he, and then he concludes you know, the Trump did this to satisfy his base. Well, you know what? As as, as part of Trump's base, and, and I voted for Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy about it. I'm I'm glad that he did what he did. That's a good thing. It's a good start. Now there's a lot more that needs to be done, but this is a good rule. But but here's the thing. It's it's not just about satisfying his base, and this is what what people like Richardson never seem to grasp. This is good for the United States. You know, there's no legitimate reason why we should be granting American citizenship to children who just happen to be born here, uh, regardless of the citizenship status, citizenship status of their parents. So that's nonsense. And I've argued this elsewhere, and I'm not going to go into the argument right now, but I've argued this elsewhere, that if you look at the Bible, that the Bible's requirement, that it's, I think it's consistent with what the scriptures teach, to require that at least one parent have American citizenship before a child born here is actually considered an American citizen. You can find the, uh, the arguments for this in the scriptures. It's also uh, very nicely summarized in certain portions of, of the Westminster, Westminster Standards as well. And I did talk about that. There's an article that I wrote on my blog, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. It was titled, oh, what was it titled? Birth Tourism Reform, A Win for Immigration Sanity. And I actually went into some detail about the rule and some of the reasons why it is, uh, is consistent with, with what, uh, what Scripture teaches. But anyway, um, I'll put that, uh, that link in the show notes. That's about all I have for today. So thanks very much for listening. I really do appreciate that. And I hope you got something out of this podcast. Until next time, may the spirit of truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's Word.